You're listening to Sibling Talk, commentary from a progressive point of view. Now here are your hosts, John Paulette and Mary Jo Tumer. Hello, I'm John Paulette. And I'm Mary Jo Tumer. Hey, Mary, I don't want to go all Jen Psaki on you here, <laughs> but uh, uh, I am going to speak in defense of the Biden administration. And there may be those who say, John, you're just a Democratic apologist. If so, I will wear that with pride. But uh, I think there are some facts we need to know, and I'm thinking in particular about what is kind of the crisis of the day, the immigration at, at the southern border. And I listen, I don't want to diminish uh, that we have real problems there, absolutely. But this thing is being reported as being, uh, you know, a historic surge of immigrants coming in. Kevin McCarthy, uh, the Republican speaker, goes down to the border and warns everybody about this apocalyptic crisis. You know, that's not the fact. What it, we're seeing is a seasonal surge that happens every year. It could be predicted. You lay out the graphs of the last couple of years. You come to this time, the warm weather happens, it goes up. I Go back two years. Last year was a little bit of an aberration because of COVID. 2019, the uh, increase in people trying to cross the border at this point was 31%. It went up 31%. It went up this year too, 28%. So first, let's not diminish that the problem is there, but we are not in the same kind of crisis. And I'm going to add to that. I want to get the discussion going. The crisis in terms, the problem in terms of housing Getting these things uh, properly done, uh, especially for the young people who are coming in, is a direct result of Donald Trump's refusal to do a proper transition. I'm going to give that just straight up. In many things, including the work on the border, he blocked the Biden administration from seeing what was going on, understanding the problems, beginning any kind of planning. And so in this very, very complicated area, rather than being able to work on it in December, in January, all through those those times, they had to start fresh at about the time the surge, surge started. So that's it. That's my Jen Saki for the day. What do you think? <laughs> so here's the thing. I, um, I have been watching this with... Um, you know, some disdain, and I don't reserve that just for the Republicans, because this is a problem decades in the making. And so both parties own their inability to get anything done. It's like we talked about yesterday with the gun issue. These are not new issues. So Kevin McCarthy, for example, going down to the border and blaming Biden is just so shameless because Trump was in office for four years and their theory of the case was just be mean to people, they'll quit coming. And I think um, I've talked about before that one of the volunteer things that I've done since retiring is 
helping with uh, Catholic Charities Refugee Resettlements, basically helping write briefs. And, you know, you'd be working on these cases and you think meanness is the point. This is why, why they're doing what they're doing. At least that's the way it felt for the last four years. But that was just a different take on the same negligence that all Washington has paid to the immigration issue. So I think for the the southern border, you have, you know, those, um, they call that the triangle, the golden triangle or whatever. Uh, Yeah. Those countries um, whose economies are in ruins that are very corrupt and who are definitely the victims of climate change. So what are those human beings supposed to do? You don't flee your country unless it's absolutely horrendous to live there. You don't go to a different place to live if where you live is okay. And there was money uh, that had been, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, that they, they were going to be sent to try to solve some of those problems under the uh, Obama administration, and that money was pulled back by Trump. Because that ultimately is the solution. So you're absolutely right. This is not a, a crisis of Biden's making. Are there some people that are like, wow, it's nicer there now because Trump's not in office? Probably. But I don't think these are po- people who are reading the post. No. So they don't know. They're coming here because the situation is so horrible there. They just don't feel like they have a choice. No. I, it's just not possible that the wife says, this is horrible here. We're in danger. We can't let our kids go outside. What are we going to do? And the husband says, actually, I was watching MSNBC. And did you know (laughs) that Joe Biden is much more welcoming in general? I mean, I get people are going to say, well, the coyotes know that I guess they watch MSNBC. That's not the key. You're exactly correct that nobody leaves to go to another country much less leaves to go to another country by walking the length of Central America. With their children. With their children. I saw the video uh, taken from the helicopter with, I think the NBC reporter's name is Gabe Gutierrez. Is that that possible? But anyway, the NBC reporter uh, who just got tremendous access, she goes up in a helicopter uh, and the uh, Border Patrol takes minutes, they find people coming along the river getting in boats uh, to, to come across. Just just stunning. But what was most stunning to me, I think I counted four mothers carrying really small kids. I mean, you remember when your kids are small, when mine was, when, you know, my daughter has my granddaughter. We get like, you know, all crazy and neurotic if we're taking them to the zoo. And you know, and, oh, did we do this? Did we pack yeah. snacks? Uh, do we have them dressed right? <laughs> These poor people are walking the length of Central America, coming across a river, and they know that they're going to be arrested. They're not just, everything's not going to be just wonderful. But why do they do it? They have to. They have to. They have no other I'm, choice. I wonder sometimes if... Um, Americans wouldn't be well served and this really would be the job both of the government and the media privacy issues aside to start to tell some of the stories 
I remember working on these case files and this would be somebody, an individual who may not qualify for asylum. So that, you know, I think we've talked about this before. There are very specific rules for how you qualify for, for asylum. On the other hand, they are fleeing persecution of a sort or uh, such extreme poverty. There's a lot of gang issues. So the gangs may not have anything to do with your politics, your religion, your, um, your part of a group, a community group or anything, which would qualify you for asylum but still make it impossible to live in the town that you're in, marauding gangs. Uh, one of the issues that we did get some play in the media was at one point a court had said that women escaping from an abusive spouse would qualify for asylum. That was then overturned. So one thing we as Americans forget because of all the crazy stuff and what happened in Boulder is the United States is viewed as, and it is in fact, a very safe place to live in general. We're not, we don't live in villages where marauding gangs are walking down the street and pulling us out of our houses <clears throat> as a general matter. So if I can't feed my family, if I'm afraid my teenage daughter is going to be abducted and, you know, trafficked, whatever it is, I think to myself, listen, all I got to do is walk a thousand miles, which is like a crazy idea, right? And if I can get in, if I can stay, I can build a life where there is some possibility for a future. And until we fix that underlying problem, meaning the reason to leave, I don't care who's president. And that goes back again to Congress because Biden, as with Trump, can only do so much Ultimately, we need immigration reform. And if Congress isn't willing to do that, we just accept this is the way it's going to be. You're going to have the southern border continue to be breached by people trying to get in. Just the way it is, John. Yeah, you're exactly right. And listen, I agree with you. And other smarter people have said we need to begin you know, the massive economic aid to Guatemala and so forth. People are calling it a Marshall Plan for Central America. But I want to suggest two things that are maybe a little more radical. The first is we have talked before about what grounds you have for asylum, political asylum, for instance, uh, you know, racial persecution. I think those grounds are vestiges of the Second World War. And the uh, escape of people from uh, political uh, violence. Uh, we were concerned we did so badly at accepting Jewish refugees. I suggest that we, we, the United States, expand that and we create climate asylum. We create economic asylum. I think those are morally right. And I, I think there's a lot we can go into on that. The second thing I'd add with this, this debate has been essentially a border debate. Uh, in a way, Donald Trump and people like him, certainly Stephen Miller, made it that. Let's put up a wall. It's all about securing the border. I would like to see this become a hospitality question. And the question is, how can we as the United States within reasonable control of our border and our immigration, be a country 
that is, that leans towards hospitality and how can we build an infrastructure for that? Those are my two I want to put out there. So um, and this must be radical week for you, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> radical idea week for John Paulette. <laughs> it's a pretty radical idea because most immigration historically in the United States and other parts of the world, it's really an economic issue, meaning does that immigration serve us as the, the host country, to use the hospitality issue? <clears throat> and many people are saying that the, a porous southern border does really serve us because we need those workers that are coming in. So that's one reason there isn't really the political will to close the borders. And during the Trump administration, businesses complained because they couldn't get workers. I think, I don't know if I ever told you this joke before, but this friend of ours who moved up from Texas, he said, one thing is the, all the lawns here look crappy. So what do you mean by that? He goes, well, Texas, everybody has a great lawn because there's so many people to work fixing people's lawns. And I thought that's the weirdest thing I've ever heard of living. You know, we have landscapers, but the, so the it's the economic push that ultimately moves an immigration policy. And if we move to a non-economic based immigration policy, that's a big, big change. It's because even our grandparents came here to work, right? All years and you know, the decades of immigration to the United States always has been the the attraction is work and we needed the workers. That's what's built the economy. Right? We did. And, and you've analyzed it really well. And here's where I want to give this shift. I, I certainly have been critical of the bishops of the American Catholic church on, on several things. And there's some issues coming up about the equality act and everything that we should talk about. But I'll tell you something, the Catholic bishops get radically right. As part of Catholic social teaching, this is based in, in papal encyclicals as well, their view of immigration does not say, would these immigrants help us in our economy? It says, if a nation has the economic and social capacity to accept people, and we do have the economic and social capacity to accept people, then the bishops say, that nation is under a moral obligation to accept immigrants and uh, refugees. They assert that there is a basic human right, just like the right of food, uh, the right of health care, there is a right to emigrate, which is a really, really radical thought. But here, we're not doing infrastructure week, we're doing radical week. And so, <laughs> so I am going to assert the right to emigrate, you think? I think. So uh, that's a very interesting idea. We should chew on that a little bit. So one thing I wanted to say before we leave is I had dinner last night outside, but with friends, which is radical in these days. And um, it was one year ago this week that we launched Sibling Talk. It was March 22nd. Was it really? Oh, man. Yeah, we have an anniversary uh, edition we should be doing, I guess. Except we, we, we I guess we'll we do missed it. the date, but we uh, that's okay. We, we got some it. someplace close to it. Wow, that's really a big yeah. celebration! Happy anniversary, Mary Jo! 
Happy anniversary, John. Talk to you soon. (laughs) Sibling Talk is a JMP production. Theme song by David Paulette.